let's get agreement that this is a strategic priority. That area of alignment and synergy can be very important. Future, we're committed to expand valuation. time, there's still progress that needs to be made. This is Healthcare Strategies. Hi, and welcome to Healthcare Strategies. I'm Sarah Heath, Managing Editor at Excelligent Healthcare Media and the Lead Editor on Patient Engagement HIT. Today, we're hitting on a topic that I'm personally very passionate about and I know has long ignited a fire in a lot of healthcare professionals too, and that's the maternal health crisis. The United States is knee-deep in this maternal health crisis, with poor outcomes being wide-reaching, but far more likely to affect Black and American Indian and Alaska Native individuals. But it's not just the physical outcomes that ail America. The nation is also staring down a maternal mental health crisis, hallmarked by increasing rates of postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. The facts have spoken for themselves at this point, and with greater amplification of public health research and data and more media involvement, the push to improve maternal mental health outcomes has gotten stronger than ever. Hospitals and public health agencies nationwide are in the throes of developing key interventions to ensure nobody falls through the cracks, and although many of these efforts are just getting their recognition, they show a lot of promise to hopefully end this crisis. And here to discuss one such program is Davina Prabhu, the Vice President of the Ambulatory Care Network at New York Presbyterian, where she says maternal mental health is a very high priority. So thank you so much for joining us today, Davina. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I guess maybe to lay our groundwork, if you could begin by just describing this crisis around maternal mental health, what are some of the figures that we're looking at? Where are there racial or other health disparities that we're seeing in this area? Disparities in maternal and early childhood health really have been pervasive and deep-rooted in the United States for some time, but were exacerbated during COVID um, in 2020. The inequities related to not only disparities in health outcomes, but specifically around the social factors that impact health or social determinants of health really were highlighted. And I think that's why there's so much focus and attention now on addressing the health disparities around maternal mental health, but just maternal mental health in general. The statistic from the CDC is that one in eight women experience postpartum depression, and only maybe 50% of those get treatment. And uh, specifically within Black and Hispanic families, we note that they don't have, especially in low-income communities, don't have access to care or don't have the ability to be able to get to care or the insurance coverage to be able to have the care. There's so many factors that really limit those in low-income communities to be able to access this care. Mm -hmm. And so there's really a call for a more integrated approach, an approach that's more approachable well to communities so that we can meet communities where they are and have access to this care that is much needed so that we can really impact not only this generation, but generations to come. Yeah, of course. I know you just described a lot about access to care and other social determinants. I was wondering if you could expand on some of those or describe some of the other forces that might be behind this maternal mental health crisis. Sure. Those who not only lack the income to be able to get access to whether it's care or beyond delivery of the child mm. in the early childhood phases, childcare, there's job stress, which can lead to toxic stress, which can then, it's said, 
when you're carrying a baby and you face all of this toxic stress, it actually impacts the baby. Mm -hmm. And then therefore after birth and the first critical time period of the child, the first thousand days, we say it impacts the child and those health factors start to seep in. And if there's delayed treatment to care or no treatment, then again, it's pervasive and it continues in a cycle generationally. Mm -hmm. Some factors, social factors really are around food, housing, transportation, and just being able to make sure that there is that connection. And, and, and with COVID, we saw that social isolation was a big issue. Yeah, absolutely. That really contributed to the worsening of these conditions. I know that this is clearly a nationwide issue. I know you've mentioned CDC had statistics on this, which kind of illustrates the nationwide nature of all of this. But what prompted you all at New York Presbyterian in particular to begin designing programs to address maternal mental health? And beyond that, what went into program planning and design? Who was involved? What kind of decisions were you guys prioritizing? Well, it starts from the the leader, our board, mm-hmm. our chief executive officer, our strategic pillar at NYP is around being a pioneer in health justice. And so we've established the New York Presbyterian Dalio Center for Health Justice, where we focus on how do we achieve health justice by way of really achieving health equity. And it starts with making it a strategic focus area, but then also when we look at our service lines and what's always been a priority here at NYP is really maternal and child health programming, because again, these quality outcomes are not new to us. They're things that we've known. It's just that again, COVID exacerbated this. And especially as we noted what had been happening from 2020 and beyond, we had been providing more and more supports in the way of food, in the way of being able to make sure that our communities and and therefore also our employees Mm. who are part of our communities are taken care of. That's what really prompted us. We also do a comprehensive community health needs assessment every three years. And with that community health needs assessment, it also further through data showed us that in the communities that we serve, where our hospitals exist and maternal and child health especially behavioral health, really needs to be a focus area. Mm. And so when we were looking at what we currently have and what we provide, we have primary care centers, we provide state-of-the-art world-class care from world-class physicians to be able to provide that episodic care when people need treatment. But what we realized was necessary was an interdisciplinary team model, a model where we're not taking the patient to have to go to the OB to have to go to a pediatrician, to have to go to a mental health provider, we wanted to bring the care to the patient. And so this is a very patient-centered model where we connect the OB with a pediatrician, with a psychologist or a psychiatrist to meet weekly about patients who were referred um, and need this care. And we look at from a range of low risk to medium risk to high risk and figure out a tailored plan of care for these patients that are eligible. Yeah. And that's a very perfect segue because I really wanted to hear more specifically about the NYP postpartum doula program. And if you could just describe that program a little bit more in depth for our audience. Sure. In 2020, as a part of the work that we've been doing around um, maternal and child health and an integrated mental health program, we recognized that we wanted to create a comprehensive suite of services 
And that was really to prepare mothers in their last trimester, but then going into postpartum six to eight weeks to be able to continue to engage in their care because we know that mothers tend to focus on the child once the child is born and everything is about the child and the moms are forgotten. And so the purpose here is for doulas to be the advocate, to help mothers really advocate for themselves, to engage in care, but then also to create a, a sense of calm. When we talk about toxic stress and what impacts everyone, having that additional support is so instrumental and helpful in these really what are pivotal moments of not only the mother giving birth to the child, but the child's early phase of their life. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to talk about doulas in particular in a little bit, because I feel like that's just such an emerging, you know, provider type. But I wanted to talk a lot about that interdisciplinary team that you mentioned. I think that especially as healthcare has been like embracing patient-centered care and health happens outside the four walls of the hospital and clinic and all of that stuff, we're really recognizing the fact that it's not just an MD or an NP or an RN, but it's really all these people who are experts in different aspects of care. So I was wondering why you guys find that to be so important to delivering good outcomes, but then additionally, how you coordinate care across all of these different types of providers. Uh, you're exactly right. There's physicians, nurse practitioners, psychologists, psychiatrists. We talked about the doulas. And, and one thing that I didn't mention about the importance of how we really leverage th these important care team members like doulas is really the collaborations that we have with community-based organizations in the local communities where our patients are coming from, because the hallmark of this is really building trust. And in order to build trust, you really need to truly understand the community dynamics, um, the aspects of various cultures, um, all the nuances there, and other members of the care team are community health workers. We have nurses, we have social workers really to care for the social needs, medical assistants. And again, the main premise of this in order to create holistic service for patients is shaping what we're calling a two-generational model where we're caring for the mom and we're caring for the child. It's going from while the child in the last trimester of pregnancy and then into the first six to eight weeks. But then really we're talking about the first thousand days that are so critical. The services, not only from these various different care team members, also span the period of obstetrics, then the period of pediatrics, but then all encompassing is the behavioral health psychologist or psychiatrist that stays constant there. Are there any technology systems that you guys use to help link care across these different providers? Yes, I'm so glad you asked. We utilize an electronic health record that is able to collect all of our data centrally and using that electronic health record, we're able to share information across all these integrated care team members. We communicate using data mm -hmm. on a weekly basis. So we're able to pull data on, here's what's happening with this patient. Here's a comprehensive look on what's happening with this patient. These are the interventions that we recommend to you know doing next. And we started doing that weekly just so we could get the hang of it. Now we're getting to a place where utilizing this electronic health record, the chat functions and communications, there's always referrals and work cues and things that go be in, uh, between the various different providers and the various different touches. We're able to get to you know a place that where we started in 2020, where we were really hands-on. 
and looking at that data on a weekly basis, we've been able to parse that out because we're really get, getting the hang of the systems and, and how we can communicate one another through this centralized repository, if you will, of data on our patients and the various aspects of care, depending whether it's around obstetrics care, pediatric care, or psychological or psychiatric care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I wanted to zoom in on doulas in particular. Could you talk a bit about the role that they play in this particular postpartum doula program? And what do they bring to the care encounter that's unique that can support better outcomes? Doulas really are, the vision has been for them to be the advocates for a mother, for someone who is in their prenatal phase, into their postpartum phase, and really support not only the mother, but families in infant feeding the emotional aspects, the physical recovery from delivering a child, being able to soothe the infant, any kind of coping skills for new parents, and really support from labor into birth and then into postpartum care. Yeah, absolutely. And I wanted to talk a little bit about almost like the public perception of of doula care, because rewind 10 or 15 years ago, people either haven't heard of doulas or they think it's like some like type of care, but it really isn't. So I wanted to hear a little bit about how you see maybe those public perceptions changing and in what ways you may or may not be still facing an uphill battle and helping the public understand what doulas really do in improving maternal health outcomes. Traditionally, women supporting other women during labor and birth, we've seen that historically. Mm. And then as I guess we could say countries became more industrialized and evolved and then more medicalized. You start to see that grow apart over time. And we're really understanding how important that support is, especially going through such huge milestones and a person, a family or community's health, that it's integral to birth outcomes, to uh, better quality outcomes and therefore really should be thought of as part of a patient's care team. The good news is we see the perceptions changing and that people are becoming more aware of the positive impacts of having a doula as a part of the care team on patient outcomes, which is really exciting Mm -hmm. for this doula movement. But there's still a lot of work that needs to be done, I think, especially as traditional medicine or medical care and clinicians and how they see doulas as part of the patient care team. and. And I think that movement is happening, but I think there is some a way to go. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What other programs do you all have at New York Presbyterian that you guys are implementing to improve maternal mental health outcomes? As we're, again, really aiming towards developing this two-generational approach to care, understanding the needs of the community, especially after things were exacerbated through COVID, we uh, recognize that targeting social isolation through group care was a program that we really needed to implement. And so there is a nationally recognized program. So it's nothing that is specific to NYP, but that we've embraced the tools and the guiding principles from called Centering Pregnancy. And that's where we bring either first-time mothers to a group setting where they actually get their clinical care together and they're able to bond together. And this creates this mechanism of you're not alone in this and they can ask each other questions they build those bonds and it actually has shown favorable outcomes in being able to carry babies full term 
and decreasing preterm births and low weight rate babies. Other programming also includes what we've done, again, on the child front from zero to five. We work with mm-hmm. Healthy Steps, which is another nationally recognized program. So we're not here to reinvent the wheel, but we're here to really integrate various things that we know are proven to give good outcomes, but make sure that they're made available and are, again, are patient-centered so that our patients have access to this. With Healthy Steps, again, um, we're able to follow the mother final trimester into postpartum, but further into the child's life, where we connect more with pediatrics and are able to incorporate the behavioral health aspects of care for children. And I guess maybe to weave this all together, and I feel like it's been a common thread throughout this entire conversation, but just how do you guys ensure that all of these different programs are also driving health equity? I think we've, you know, really hit on the fact that these issues can affect anyone, but they disproportionately affect different populations. So what kind of goes into making sure that health equity is baked into everything that we've discussed? It's really looking at the data just to make sure of it. Uh, we already know that the patient population that we serve is predominantly women of color and in, in our communities, that's who we serve. So we know the the demographics of, as I mentioned, the community health needs assessment through publicly available data, whether it's the U.S. Census Bureau data, et cetera. We're able to know this is our community and this is what is the socioeconomic status of the community and what the health needs of the community are. And so as a result of that, we know who we're serving. And as we employ all of these programs, put them into place, we know we're also using evidence-based programming. Being able to provide access to that and then being able to assess the data. When you first start out a program like this, you're looking at, okay, how many people did I engage and what do those outcomes look like? But over time, you start to see the trends in quality outcomes. Did we decrease preterm births and Did we improve the health literacy and engagement around prenatal care, those types of outcomes? And so that's what we start to, but we can disaggregate data. So you can disaggregate it by race, by ethnicity, uh, by language, by payer, just to really understand who did we serve, right? And who was impacted by these outcomes. And that's why it's been so important for us to partner with the NYP Dalio Center for Health Justice, where we really have been able to get better data through campaigns of making sure that we're collecting all the demographic information so that it's accurate, and also be able to disaggregate the data in the ways that we need to study where are the continuous improvements that we need to make in the programming that we provide. Thank you so much for joining us today. This was a really great conversation, so I'm glad that we were able to connect. Thank you, Sarah. I love the discussion. And to all of our listeners, thanks for joining us. If you're interested in learning more about this topic, check out our site dedicated to patient engagement called Patient Engagement HIT. If you have thoughts on this topic or if you have any healthcare-related stories that you'd like us to consider for coverage, you can reach out to me at sheath at techtarget.com. That's S H. E-A-T-H, Heath like the candy bar, at techtarget.com. Follow us on Spotify to get more of these conversations and let us know what you think by rating and reviewing the show. See you next time. This is a Tech Target production.